What's going on, everybody? Hope you are having a wonderful week so far. Uh, podcast time. Before we go into it, please subscribe. Please give us a review afterwards and please share the episode if you enjoy it. It just makes the podcast go a little bit further. Um, and the more people that listen to it, the more episodes we can do. So podcast time, the one and only option for one of the biggest promoters in uh, Denver. One has a record label called Hot Boy Records, is obviously a DJ and a producer option for, and also one of the nicest guys in the planet, on the planet. Um, I love this guy. We've had him on the podcast before during COVID, and I wanted to catch up with him to talk about what he's up to now. He's kind of done a year out of out of COVID and wanting to launch a record label up again and start touring again as well. Love this conversation. Really insightful. A lot of industry talk. Um, it was it was a really good one. I really enjoyed it. So without further ado, option four. And we are live, Mr. Option Four. What's cooking? Good looking. Hey, what's up, baby? How, How are you, you doing? Yeah, I'm good, mate. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for joining me at my uh, my office slash coffee shop. <laughs> coffee shop in LA whilst wearing the LA hot boy uh hat this if anybody knows brennan or option four like this is like on key for this is the most promoter thing in the world just this is meta <laughs> is what this is and it, it actually happened by accident so no, just didn't. so you know this was not planned this was all planned I, we, no, we know this. Planned. This, is, this was the only hat i packed <laughs> but uh yeah on, on um, the podcast to talk about the relaunch of the label whilst wearing the label branded hat <laughs> Well, you see, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to go all the way. And that's the truth. So, you know, um, you're lucky I don't have like stickers that are my hoodie or something right now. Well, this is why I love you, because you, <laughs> you always go all the way when you do absolutely anything you do. Um, well, to be fair, this was an accident. So or uh, a, happy, a, a lovely happenstance. It was not planned. <laughs> I'm sticking to it. <laughs> also a classic promoter. <laughs> I don't I don't know. I'm not, I'm not sure how tickets, you know, I mean, maybe there's some at the door left. I don't know. <laughs> no, the best one is when the agents hit you up and be like, did we sell out? And you're like, no, we were too off. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> no bonus. We would have we hit that bonus. We all wanted it, but you would not believe it. <laughs> <laughs> We we had that we've had that like on a, many occasions. Oh, where you sold three hundred ninety nine tickets and your bonus was at four hundred. Yeah. You're just like, <laughs> you're like, you should have let me know. I would have just bought a ticket. Literally, I would have just called online and bought it myself. <laughs> your tour manager out here buying extra tickets just to hit the bonus. Come yeah. on, let's go. Come on, get that extra money, baby. Oh, that's funny. How's life? Good man. Um, staying busy. Uh, but yeah, everything's going really well. I'm out here in California this week. Um, I've been spending a lot of time out here, mm. um, just work wise. Um, but yeah, back in Denver this weekend and yeah, everything's all good, man. Like, uh, life's moving faster than it was the last time we spoke. That's for sure. <laughs> well, yeah, we've, we've, we've actually done two podcasts before, but only one ad. 
Um, well, only one can ever air, actually, <laughs> now that I think about it. The first one was the most stoned interview of all time. No. Should not have hit that blunt. <laughs> it really was. Snoop Dogg would be proud of you because Jesus Christ. <laughs> I mean, to, to be fair, I hope you do have it recorded. One day I just want to hear like a 30-minute tangent of whatever I was talking about at the time. Just I want to know how stoned it actually was. It, it, you were so stoned that it just didn't make sense. Oh, Great. That's exactly what I like to hear. It was great, though. I, I really enjoyed it. That was it. the goal. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, oh, this time, hey, listen, we're sober now, baby. So we're all good to go. I'll, I'll be able to be making just as much sense as that, hopefully. Are you are you genuinely sober, like, not in all life or just, just on the podcast today? Oh, just today. Yeah, just today. <laughs> this is a big life moment for me. Um, I've been sober for about... 35 minutes. I was going to say, you're in California as well. And you're, and you're not smoking. You know, everything, uh, it's funny. uh, Everything came back to life. Everything came back, you know, to being busy and stuff. And it just like, uh, I pretty much had just quit smoking. I haven't, I haven't really done, um, I haven't really done that very much. Not, you know, uh, by like a premeditated choice, just everything got so busy. We're back in action. It's a lot of fun. There's a million things going on all the time. So, uh, not a lot of time to, to, Smoke and ponder. I'll put it that way. It's probably, probably a good thing because stoned Brennan is always never the best Brennan to be around. <laughs> <laughs> well, stoned Brennan would disagree. That's for sure. <laughs> to be fair, it's always good to. It's, it's always laughing stock when you're stoned. Let's be honest. <laughs> I never forget that first time. Oh man, that's too funny. I can't believe I did that to you. But that yeah, was hilarious. Pandemic, baby. No, no, no. The first time I saw you stoned. Oh. Can you remember? Was that in Seattle? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When we were on tour. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That was the funniest. That was really funny. All, all I remember was it being really funny. It was I don't hilarious. Remember much more than that. It was yeah. hilarious. <laughs> I think it was hilarious for us, for everybody else, apart from you. You look like a scared schoolboy in the back of the car well it was terrifying (laughs) (laughs) Uh, pretty sure that was like the first time i ever smoked weed that's pretty funny yeah yeah because you never smoked when i first when i first caught like met you you'd never smoked yeah i went through like a big phase for a couple of years it really helped me come up with a lot of ideas and really helped me kind of like think uh it opened up my mind in a lot of ways like i i don't um i don't hate it by any means whatsoever it's Mm. just things just got too busy and yeah. uh everything's back in action so there's just no time anymore but i'm a i'm a big proponent of uh of of weed just in general um i think it really does kind of expand your mind and uh and, or at least did for me yeah, help yeah. my mind open up and think about yeah. a lot of things i never would have thought of before some of my best ideas ever uh came from you know smoking a joint so yeah i'm a, I'm a i just <laughs> haven't had the time lately but i am uh, definitely a lot more sober now than i was uh during the pandemic that's for sure well i guess you just don't have any time right there's no time at all how's how's it been i want to talk about the the transition from i i'm bored of talking about about the pandemic but i want to talk about i can imagine i want to talk about the the transition back from the pandemic because you started throwing parties again in june i believe right june 2020 yeah we we opened up like uh we opened up the right after memorial day um so after memorial day weekend uh they let us open up full tilt here in denver and uh it's just been a whirlwind ever since you know um how's that been how's that been though for you you guys because like you are literally i know there's 
a handful of promoters in Denver. However, you are literally the one that kind of pretty much books the most amount of parties. And the venues that you book for are kind of the main venues in Denver itself. Um, When you went full tilt, was it literally like we're going back to what we were doing before or were we, do we do more or do we do less? Do we test the waters? How does it work? Um, well, actually, you know, we, we spoke about kind of like that during the last podcast. It was kind of like, what do we think is going to happen mm. and how are we going to make a difference? So I put a lot of effort into that, really. Yeah. Um, in the very beginning, it was just a matter of just getting up and running yeah. because there was so little infrastructure, so little. I mean, no one was working. We had to hire a bunch of employees again. Yeah. And, uh, you know, staffing was really tough. There were still people like, you know, making more money on unemployment than they would if they went mm. to work. There was like, you know, these weird kind of hiccups that, you know, were kind of hard to anticipate. But when i mean from the creative side of things um everything is different now i think Mm -hmm. uh in the promotion aspect the party aspect the just the the scene in general is completely different and it's awesome and creative and i've been having more fun this year as a promoter than ever before reminds me of back in the day when i first started um where everything was unexpected and Mm -hmm. there's all you know uh, a lot of people are like you know sometimes like pre-sale tickets, for example, people aren't buying pre-sale tickets. Yeah. You don't know if the party's going to be good. And then last second, everything's good. And it's like, Oh, cool. You get that excitement again, you know? So it, there's, it's not as, I guess, calculated as it, as it was before. Um, and uh, it's much more dynamic and a lot more new, exciting things happening just in music in general, I think in America. So it's a, it's a really fascinating time to be a promoter and fascinating time to be an artist. Mm. Yeah. I, I actually agree with you. There's, some massive pros and cons but i think <clears throat> i think having the parties back has definitely changed the scene and also there's so many different artists nowadays like if you, if you look from like before the pandemic to who's playing who's headlining who's what like it's changed massively there's there's some really interesting new artists coming out yeah 100 percent. that's the best part about it is like that's kind of i think when you know, what we saw is during the pandemic, there was all these people that, you know, were exploring with different kinds of music and different mm-hmm. kinds of things that were playing on their live streams and different kinds, you know, they had time to sit there and create different stuff. And then when I noticed more than anything and kind of been the biggest promote, proponent of just, I'm sure it's happening nationwide, but there's all kinds of independent promoters now that are popping up out of the woodworks that are doing their own thing, their own brands, their own little parties, finding Mm. obscure places to throw stuff because of the fact that there's just so much more diversity in the sounds that are able to tour now. And that didn't really exist before, um, at least in the infrastructure of the U S. So, you know, that's the best part about it all is now you've got these little collectives that are doing hundred person parties, 150 Mm. person parties, and they're booking, different styles of music that you wouldn't traditionally be able to tour in a normal venue before. So yeah. it's just made everything a lot more diverse, made everything a lot more uh, eccentric, made things more dynamic. Um, and it's, I mean, on my side of things, it's allowed me to throw uh, and promote m- a lot more shows than I was doing before, which is crazy, but uh, yeah. the, the truth, you know, um, now many, it's kind of like, how many shows are you doing now a week? A week? Uh, anywhere from 10 to 15 jesus that's a lot man it's a lot yeah there's not a 
it's not slowed down. Fortunately, Denver is really, really beautiful in the fact that they love music. And yeah. what was, what we've seen is, is you know, you got to give a lot of credit to a lot of the independent promoters too. like diversity of the parties that everybody's throwing and the music that's touring and the music that's whatever. What that's done is it's allowed like this resurgence of like people that are, you know, our age um, that are now finding something different to enjoy and coming back into the scene yeah. because things are interesting to them that they're not in the same venue for 10 years. They've seen mm-hmm. a lot of the same music or whatever that they've seen once before. It's like there, there's a lot more exploration, a lot more free thinking, a lot more like uh, it, I, the scene is not as homogenous as it was back before the pandemic. So mm-hmm. that's a really cool, exciting thing that, you know, um, I was kind of anticipating and, Fortunately, it's really kind of worked out now that everything is back. It's yeah. like, you know, I'm I'm throwing multiple shows against myself all the time and mm. they're all working and everybody's able to kind of go to the shows and the music and see the stuff that they want to see. Um, as opposed to maybe before the pandemic, it was like, oh, here's the party that I have on Saturday. Here's the party I have on Thursday. Here's yeah. the party I have on Friday. It's like, oh, it's a Friday or Saturday. Here's five different options. Go have fun. Mm. So that's a, a something that I think was probably the coolest healthiest thing about the about the resurgence for sure do you think that's because a lot of the population of denver's grown as well yeah we got a lot of people that moved to colorado um during the pandemic so there's obviously that um here we are saying we weren't going to talk about the pandemic and all we talked about Mm. is the pandemic i feel bad um but yeah i I think i think it's i think it's really interesting for people on the promoter side i know we've got a lot of other things to talk about but I, i don't think anyone's really talking about this generally of like why like i know i've said this on the phone to you many times but you what you've created in denver realistically by yourself i know there's been other promoters in there but like what how you started which we spoke about on the on the first podcast but how you started denver and grew denver is really the reason why denver is denver now with the scene and I, I know you'll be humble and say that there's other people involved in that, which of course there is. However, you are one of the main reasons why that is there. But I think by doing like, let's say for instance, before the pandemic, five, six shows a week and now doing double that, even three times that sometimes and them all selling really well. And they're like, that's mad. I don't even think you get that in a major city. Um. Yeah, I don't know. You know, um, that's it. There's a yeah, the, I, it's kind of an anomaly for sure. Mm. Um, but there's, you know, the, like I said, uh, the real really the reason is, is because people people have become so much more diverse yeah. um, in their tastes uh, after being locked down. I mean, I think that that's probably the I mean, that's got to be, at least yeah. in my mind, the biggest reason for sure. Um, and, you know, the other thing is this there's a once you identify kind of like okay this group of people there's need and desire for this style of music and there's need and desire for this style of music like uh it's you know i think when you have a smaller market it's very homogenous it's Mm -hmm. like if you like underground music you're gonna like everything from you know whatever maybe even mainstream you know like in for example hypothetically you just pick a city say it's indianapolis or something like that not you know whatever underground there is going to be a little bit more mainstream than what would be, you know, underground in New York or Miami just because of the rarity of the event. Right. So in Denver, you know, it's, we've had obviously a very long history with electronic music. And Mm. so now 
everything's a free-for-all. There's yeah. so many more promoters, so many more people doing parties, so many people exposing different kind of music to people. And that just makes everything better. Like yeah. the strength of a scene is not one person running the scene. The strength totally. of the scene is when there's multiple entities all continue contributing their voice, whether that's this uh, warehouse techno party to this garage mm. party or this breaks party or this like, you know, uh, mainstream EDM festival, yeah, whatever yeah. it is, it's all part of the bigger picture where, you know, electronic music is, is being consumed um, more than almost any other genre. Well, I think realistically yeah i totally agree with you but i think also like by doing that and i fucking go on about this every time on this podcast and i think people are probably bored of it but it's about creating community and the more people that are building building small communities adds to the greater community of a city for dance music for music for culture and i think if like you said if it, coming out of the pandemic and you have multiple promoters doing multiple parties you're doing all your parties there's more population in in the in the city in the state like it just adds more for everyone and it, it allows more space to be more creative and not just go you know what i need to sell a, sell a club out tonight like let's book the, the the list of 10 headliners that always sells out let me like we can do that in one club, but because there's a scene, we can book like some like super cool Detroit act and like super underground or someone from the UK that's like popping off in the UK, but doesn't play in America at all. Like it allows you to do that. And then by doing that, you also give the scene a whole, I guess without sounding condescending, but a whole new education of music. And it allows people to experience new experiences new djs new sounds without and you not having to worry to sell out the party because you can do that on other parties right yeah i mean it, the the essentially yeah what you're what you're saying is correct in a lot of ways but the other thing is like you know everything upstreams right yeah. so the, the bigger the big stuff gets the more exactly. offshoots and the more yeah. alternative stuff can grow too mm -hmm. like the 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 most I think, you know, at least when I talk to other promoters and stuff or when I'm, when I'm whatever, the most like painful thing or negative thing you can do to a city is when you try to compete with other promoters. Yeah. It's a really hard um, concept for certain promoters to grasp, especially when they're independent, especially when they're first starting out yeah. because they think, Oh, somebody's going to my, the other party and they're not coming to my party. Yeah. You know, uh, when that mentality starts to grow or you fester that mentality, um, the only thing that does in a community is allow nothing to grow. Yeah. And that's why a lot of scenes have a hard time starting. Mm -hmm. Somebody will get something going and they, they've got their own thing. Somebody starts their own thing. And then all of a sudden there's this like uh, there's this fear, you know, mm -hmm. that uh, that's not contributing to the greater voice. But, man, I'll tell you this much right now. Like the second that they stop competing, the better everything will be, you know, yeah. um, communications key, figure out different ways of booking different stuff. I mean, you know, you, <laughs> the, the, the problem with the, I think the history of electronic music is, you know, especially like old people like me, you know, they, uh, they feel very protective about the, the music they found in the nineties, totally. you know, yeah, they're yeah. like, Oh my gosh, like it was so much harder to go to this rave and I had to know somebody and yeah. now it's not the same. It's not blur. Like I didn't, you know, this old kind of stupid mentality is, uh, what allows people to feel a, 
really passionate about it, but B, very protective of yeah. what they feel like the scene should look like or feel like or music should be experienced, right? And so you always have those people, like the get off my lawn people. Like there's so many in Denver. It's funny because we have a long history here, yeah. but they'll be mad that like, you know, these kids are banging out to tech house, having the time of their lives and not looking at it, sitting there saying, man, look at that party is bumping and the energy yeah. is really engaged. And those kids are having their all new experience as opposed to the person that's sitting there going like, well, you know, so-and-so would, you know, Frankie Knuckles would be mad right now. That's not house music. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I, if Frankie were alive looking at that party, he'd be like, dude, that energy is fire. And yeah. those kids are enjoying it. So, you know, the, 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 as everything grows, you know, it's all one big cycle for sure. Mm. But the more that people learn that diversity in the scene is the strength of a scene, mm. the more promoters understand that, yeah. the faster everything will grow. And it's kind of, it's a, it's a difficult concept to get, a, get across, but, um, How, when did you, when did you learn that? I learned it actually as a DJ. Yeah. I learned it as a DJ. I learned it, uh, like a long time ago. Um, cause the same thing applies to the DJ. Like most, most parties, they start with like, somebody wants to throw the party and the, they throw the party and they play the party. Yeah. Right. I didn't, you know, I didn't start seeing growth and I didn't start seeing like, expansion and numbers on my own end and everything else on my artist side of things start to flourish in Denver until I stopped playing my party. Yeah. And I use those good slots to help other artists get bigger and get their followings, <laughs> you know, like it, you cap it. If you're the only one playing the party, like yeah. you're the direct support every time, or you're the headliner every time you're capped, your ceiling is this big yeah. because you, now it can be a great party and a lot of fun. A lot of people do it and it's all well and good. But until I removed myself from the equation and started promoting other artists to play my party, that's when things started to grow because mm -hmm. those people started to throw their parties and all these other people started to come up. And then all of a sudden they're getting real fans because they're not playing from nine to 10 yeah. when there's three of their friends there in the room. So, you know, I, coming like understanding that helped me kind of understand when it came to promoting too. what mm -hmm. happens if there's other promoters, what happens if there's other people throwing parties, it's like the, the idea is to let that flourish. And then in, in the end, you know, the strength of the scene will just continue to grow. No, I like that a lot. I like that a lot. It's, it's really important. And I think it's, as an artist, it's very easy to go, like I had it recently where we book, got booked for a show um, and then in the same city, like a bigger artist announced a show the same, like in the same, on the same night. And it's very easy to go, fuck's sake, like we were going to, we were going to sell out and now we're, probably not but it, taking your kind of look at it it's like well actually it's still going to be a fucking good party and you, you might find people that have never seen me play that have seen the other artists play multiple times that want to come to my show and vice versa and I think there's also that look is like well there's younger people that haven't been to any of the shows and they might go to both you never know um, but I think I find it, it's very easy to look at the negative straight away, but kind of switching it, being able to switch it and, and take the positives out of it is definitely a nicer thing and kind of sets you in a nicer frame of mind going into the show. <laughs> well, you know, a lot of the answer though is too, is it doesn't matter if there's a bigger party across the street, those people that chose to come to your party, they chose to come to your party. Yeah. Yeah. That's not mixed in with just a bunch of people that were like, this is the only option to go out tonight. Yeah. Right. 
So that energy is going to be, they chose you, yeah, yeah. you know, they chose. So it, it, it compounds itself into usually being a better party, you know? Um, it, it's like, uh, it, it's like when people make that conscientious choice, they're going to be a lot more excited about the event. Mm. It, there's very few people, at least in my experience that are sitting there going, Oh shit. Like I bought this ticket for this artist I wanted to see. And now somebody else gets announced. I'm selling my ticket because I have to go over here. Yeah, like, yeah. I don't see that very often. That's actually a very small minority of ticket sales, at least that I can see in Denver. Well, I think also a lot of people just buy both and then work out what they want to do on the night. It yeah, used to be and like there's that. also, it's not too hard to sell tickets either. So yeah. there's the resale market of everything as well. So yeah, totally. yeah I, think, I think it's definitely, you know, the more diversity across the board and everywhere is better. Mm. Yeah, no, I agree, man. I agree. So when we spoke last time, um option four and hot boy records was kind of on a sabbatical you were kind of like weren't sure what was what to do because of what was going on with covid um i sat down on the phone with you the other day and that's changed so what's the plan oh man well i'm not smoking anymore so the (laughs) hiatus is a little over (laughs) (laughs) um no uh yeah like i'm uh i'm working on a bunch of stuff now finally i finally kind of have everything denver back to where it was before in the sense of like i can start focusing on the creative side of things Mm. i was just really focused on trying to be a good promoter um i thought that was the most important thing like i thought it would be weird if everything opened back up and then i was just gone for another year touring and wasn't really at my parties and wasn't you know, uh, wasn't seeing how things were working and mm. working with all the other artists too. So I was able to stay home for like a year. Um, yeah, it's July now and work on a bunch of new venues in mm. Denver, work on a bunch of new concepts, work on a bunch of new, you know, just reinvigoration for being a promoter. And now it's kind of like, okay, cool. The infrastructure is there. Yeah. Everything's getting booked so far out. Like, you know, we were announcing shows like with three days notice before yeah. a year ago. We'd be like, cool, we got a book, come play. All right, cool. We're announcing tomorrow and we're going on sale. And, you know, it's just so much hectic. You know, there were times where I was sitting there going, we don't have enough employees. Like, <laughs> uh, there's not enough staff. Like, I'm going to be wristbanding tonight. And yeah, people yeah. were like laughing at me, putting me on Snapchat. Like, Asha Four is wristbanding me tonight. And I'm like, yep, that's what we're doing, baby. Come on, let's go. Like, I love that. Though. Like a, there's, there's, there's something about that that I love that that I feel like is kind of lost to a certain extent where that whole kind of like just raw spit and sawdust days where it's just like roll your sleeves up and just get, get in it and just, and just do, do what you have to do. Right. Yeah. At the end of the day, the party's got to go on. Yeah. That's the, that's the the business. That's the, that's the life. That's the, that's the party. You don't want to disappoint nobody by any means, but yeah, there was a lot of that. So now, you know, everybody's, you know, we got, we have a lot of people like, you know, uh, we got a really good crew, really good group of group of people that are all back in business now. And it's kind of like the industry in general is all back to work. So it's awesome. And, you know, I'm grateful every day that we have a job again. So Mm -hmm. now it's kind of like, okay, cool. Infrastructure is good. I can start working on music and start working on the label and start working on touring and start working on the art, like the, the creative aspect of it all. So I want to talk about option four before we talk about the label. Um, when was the last time you released music? Um, a year and a half ago. Damn. Yeah. Long time. Um, yeah. Long time, man. Um, during lockdown, me and Born Dirty wrote a record, wrote a couple records. Um, and that was really fun. He's the best, obviously. Yeah. Uh, and we put a record out 
Um, <laughs> then the world came back and that was pretty interesting. So that was kind of fun. Um, uh, but yeah, it's been, a, been a minute. So I'm back in the studio again, um, as much as I possibly can be. Um, and I'm working on a bunch of new stuff mm. and that's fun. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm really having a lot of fun kind of like in, in essence with like my DJ sets and stuff now and everything. I'm, I'm having a lot of fun just being like a little bit more classic sounding a mm. lot more like record digging record nice. selecting yeah. kind of thing um just because now that everything's back it's kind of like well man guys what about these records 30 years ago they still bang like so come good. on now yeah, it's yeah. you know like and it's it's funny because even the shows that i've played i've been fortunate enough to play uh some shows like sporadically just over the last year it's funny these like kids and these fans are just like shazamming all yeah. it's kind of like it's kind of it's kind of kind of similar to like how metallic is big now because of stranger things it's like that same <laughs> kind of like on a micro level like and Kate I'm Bush. Like, oh, yeah like what do you what do you know like about cc peniston like it's yeah. fire right like that type of vibe so yeah like um uh that's been really fascinating and kind of fun and, and a lot of the new music is kind of definitely feeling a lot more classic um sounding and i've been much more inspired kind of by that uh that art form, I guess, mm -hmm. just because, um, now that everything's back, it's not necessarily a thousand percent, like super popular, even though every time anybody hears any of that music, they flip out and they love it and they have the best yeah. time. So that's been, that's been kind of like the direction that I've been having fun in the studio with lately. And, um, you know, sampling a bunch of old drum machines still and, and finding old weird funk samples and, you know, just doing the thing. So I'm nice, hoping uh, to start releasing music soon. I love that. What's your thoughts on the whole music? Um, how, what's your thoughts on music right now as of as a creative, as a as a producer, as a DJ, you, the music that's kind of popping off right now? What's your thoughts and feelings on it? Um, you know, I am one million percent, um, you know, one million percent confirmed now at this point, my suspicions before the pandemic. Mm. So, um, you know, I think there's a full on war on independent music. that's like full on all out and it's more evident and more apparent than it's ever been. Yeah. So, um, you know, if I am going to support anything, it's going to be independent music. And so what I mean by that is now just the way people consume music, everything is an algorithm. And, um, that's what my suspicions were becoming like before the pandemic. Cause I get to see things on both sides as like a promoter. I get to deal with a bunch of different managers. Yeah agents like i get to deal with a lot of people in the industry and then as an artist i also get to connect with a bunch of different artists yeah. on, on on all sides of the coin and it's never been more apparent that you know the major labels pretty much are completely running um even you know quote unquote like underground music mm. and so it's, um, you know, there's like the fine fight to be had. And that's like really fun for me. I'm going to side myself on the, in the, in the independent side of the spectrum. I don't, you know, I mean, the second we let algorithms be algorithms, then a DJ's job is done, you know, and mm. that's something that I don't ever want to see that culture ever uh, not get the credit or the, the, the shine that it deserves. So, you know, when it comes to signing label, signing records, or when it comes to putting out music, you're always going to need like, you know, there's Spotify numbers and there's uh, these other like ranking sources that these platforms have to allow promoters to sit there and say, oh, well, this is going to be good in my market. I'm going to book this. Oh, I'm going to book this DJ. I'm going to book this. But, you know, the 
the problem that we face, I think, as a, as a music industry is that selection process of who gets a lot of plays on Spotify is gatekept by a very small amount of people. Like five people. And it's literally, yeah, five it's or not, eight or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, So It's, it's, it's not even with, that. It's not even that many. Really. Yeah, so, and, you know, there's only so many playlists and there's only so much taste involved there too. Mm-hmm. Like if, if one of those people are just like, this is my favorite thing, they're going to push that style of music more than they're going to push totally. the other stuff, you know? And what they see as credible, cool, interesting quality that gets focused and pushed on all these, on, a, on the platforms, um, that's going to differ between those, you know, four or five people. But that's that's a very small amount of people to decide what tours in the U.S. Mm. So what tours know, in the world? The, well, yeah, but you know, the difference between those platforms is they're they're country based, right? So, for example, you look at a record that's like, you know, take Coles for example. Let's take an, an example. His his streams are out of control. But if you know, unless you're his manager and you look on the back end, a lot of that's going to be in in Germany as yeah. opposed to like yeah, yeah. how many more in the U.S. So. Yeah. That's what I meant by in the U.S., okay. not just the world. But yes, in their branches across the world, with the with the people that work at these uh, these corporations, they kind of dictate what becomes hot, what becomes mm. not hot, what can sell tickets, what tours, where the promoters and the agents and everybody gets together and say, "Okay, cool, we're going to make this thing work." So it's um, in a way, you know, it's 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 more important than ever, I think, to promote you know independent promoters and independent artists um, that are not plugged into that machine. Yeah to keep diversity and keep things going because the the problem is like if you're an independent artist and you're making this coolest stuff ever you're stuck in i don't know wherever you're 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 wherever you are right you're in north dakota right mm-hmm. and you're just the, making the most amazing techno like ever right uh but you're not plugged and you're not in that ability to try and get your music heard um the that's a really sad situation to be in. And the problem is music never moves forward. Like the the fastest music progressed ever in the history of music, at least in my opinion, was when SoundCloud was free open source for like four years. We saw different genres and we saw better music come out in those four years than the last 50. And part of that was because there were no constraints on samples or ideas or whatever. And the social aspect of when people mm-hmm. found something they could share it to their friend, yeah. that was like crowdsourced. That was like mm-hmm. pure, you know, not, oh, we're going to constrict everything and then just make this what all yeah. these people listen to. So, you know, um, the the more that we figure out a way, um, and I'm not sure what that is exactly, but the more that we promote independent artists and independent labels and independent music that's not plugged into the algorithm, the more that these artists can pay their bills, right? Yeah. And continue to do what they're doing. Because mm. the second no one can pay their bills, it's just a hobby at that point, right? And people will still do it because well, the love of music is well, always going to be there. But. I think, yeah, I totally agree. But I also think like when it it's at the algorithm level already. So you'll have artists with millions and millions of streams. Of course, like some of them are, oh, what was that? Um, some of them were uh, like some of the records are amazing right and they deserve millions and millions of streams and 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 they they fully deserve that um but then there's also the records that just get caught on playlists and they get put at like in the top 10 of a playlist and realistically no one actually is listening to that record it's just because it's on the playlist and there's millions of followers on that playlist so it, it generates a lot of streams for that artist it doesn't necessarily generate a lot of followers or a lot of people because they don't necessarily love the record um 
but you also have it's it's also really hard to kind of as an artist to not look at your streams and judge yourself by your streams and judge your career by your streams and compare yourself because you can look go and look at everybody else's streams before before you had streaming you had beatport charts and although that was like it was like the thing to get into the beatport chart you didn't know how many sales it took you didn't you didn't you couldn't see any of the back end so i feel like what's happened is that it's actually made artists create more formulaic music which fits in those playlists because there is only a certain amount of playlists and we can't have a go at spotify and apple music for only creating that amount of playlists like that's it's their business they're allowed to do what the fuck they want but if you're if you're defining a whole electronic genre of music where you have house tech house minimal melodic progressive like like all of these different genres and they have to fit on three playlists you're not and you're like this like super creative make fucking amazing music but it just doesn't fit on those playlists because of the sound like you're fuck you're kind of fucking yourself to a certain extent if you want to make a business out of music um so i just feel like a lot of the music becomes by by these come by I, I don't think it's a blame game for anyone i don't think it's blaming anyone but i think it's realistically people just go start writing formulaic music which is what we've seen in the last six months especially where you know what it's going to sound like and you know what's going to do well on the streaming wise because it's an easy it's an easy way to see success yeah, absolutely. It's like it's I've not, got I've got I, a friend. Sorry to buy. Like I've got a friend which which we both know that like their management's one of the biggest managers in 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 dance music, and realistically, they write that they're, they're very good at make at making tech house artists big. This friend of ours left that management group because they just pretty much just wanted to make tech house. And this artist doesn't make tech house. He makes music all from all over the shop, if you know what I mean. And I, what I'm trying to get at is like, is there a, is there a creativity where people just feel like as an artist, you, you have to just make this one sound or you, this like not one sound, but it, your barriers of creativity is, has got a lot closer because we need success on streaming to get a touring career. Well, I think that's the, the I guess the point of what I, I, I think that's the kind of the point of the two separate worlds. Like you look at the Spotify, Apple streaming world, that's gonna um, essentially almost kind of like, it's like we're back in the clear channel days. Mm. Those are going to be like the radio artists. Those are the artists that get the radio plays. Those are the artists that get, uh, big touring, you know, profiles. And then there's no matter how big that gets everything upstream. That's the best part about electronic music is yeah. under, I mean, look at these artists now that are touring nowadays that don't make records. Yeah. 
they're just amazing DJs because yeah. they there's going to be a, a, an amount of people out there. There's plenty of people out there that are not going to want what an algorithm programs them. Mm-hmm. They're going to want an experience of listening to new stuff that they've never heard before. Yeah. So that's the beauty of our, our of our of our uh, community and of the scene in general is there's always going to be that kind of like underground resistance right <laughs> of of people that want to experience new sounds and new 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 music and have somebody show them that and and be a part of that so i guess that's what i was saying about promoting um you know do all of it but make sure that you're always trying to support and promote these independent artists that are not plugged into those situations mm. book the music that's based on the music that you like how, how do you find? Like. How do you find those? So I'm I, I'm playing devil's advocate right now. I'm kind of just like mm-hmm. making the conversation go a bit deeper because it's like I know people who are listening are probably wanting to know this because a lot of people go and find music in Spotify or Apple Music, right? That's the place or SoundCloud occasionally. But like, <clears throat> I know you're you're a promoter, you're a DJ, you're a label owner. Like, you have to be, you have to know what the fuck's going on. Right. But if you're Joe Public, like, how do you go and find music when we're being fed music as an algorithm? Well, I think there's a couple of different ways you can do that. There's there's different platforms that are not, you know, uh, corporate um, that are out there that provide a tremendous amount of of access to different bubbles of underground music around the world. Like India, for example, has an amazing underground scene, like, Mm. and the music is fire. Like there are different parts of the world that have these contingents of people that are making creative, new, fun, exciting shit, you know, that is not, uh, they have no access to the corporate world because they're, they're in a completely different country. There's, there's platforms. I mean, you look at Bandcamp, for example, Bandcamp is so pure Mm. still to this day, which, you know, I still think, all Bandcamp needs to do is really get the social aspect of it again, and then they can make a run at some of these other yeah. things because I think there really is a desire for it. Um, but by you know, with uh, the I think the two easiest ways of finding stuff that's not fed is by finding other selected DJs and their sets that are put getting getting streamed. Still, you got Horror, for example, yeah. does a terrific job. You still have. Uh, you, you know, Rinse FM does a fantastic job of people that, you know, support selectors. And now once you all of a sudden you're finding out all these other artists, it's, it's not that hard to connect the dots on these other yeah. platforms to kind of discover, but there's, there's still like plenty of uh, independent platforms out there mm. that, you know, promote. And that's what they do. That's all they do. They don't, they don't, they don't, you know, you'll never find a some record from some big name or whatever at the number one of their, of their, <laughs> you know, vinyl only charts. <laughs> so, you know, there's, there's, um, a tremendous amount of, of, of access there. And there's artists now, which is pretty cool. You're seeing artists like Octa Octa and, um, you know, uh, some of these artists that are, that are big on Bandcamp, for example, getting to, you know, have very successful touring careers in America when they've been doing it in Europe for a minute, you know? Yeah. Um, and so, you know, the, the, I guess my point is that, like, when you're looking and you're digging and you're trying to find, you just got to look at the other websites and the other, uh, you know, the other... I guess the other website is the right word. The other websites to look for the music that you it is not necessarily going to be plugged. Like you look at track source, for example, their top 10 is almost never the same as Beatport, yeah. right? The same exact model can be said for, you know, you look at the top 
50 or whatever is on the Spotify playlist, that's going to be completely different than what's going to be in Bandcamp. So yeah. there's, there's a lot of, uh, you know, there's artists and websites or there's websites out there and, and platforms out there that support independent artists before they support commercial artists. Mm. And those are really because the commercial artists are wrapped up in these deals where they support the major platforms. Yeah. So you got a platform that supports independent artists, the independent artists are going to support that. You got platforms that are corporate that the big names are supporting because that's how they get their, their, mm. their meal ticket in a lot of ways. So, you know, it, it, it's two separate worlds and one's way bigger than the other, but there's just so much music out there and so many more opportunities. It's just a matter of like, in my personal opinion, uh, promoters, you know, really going out of their way to to support both at the same time. Mm. No, I totally agree with you. Bandcamp is especially a very interesting concept. Um, I love the concept of it and it works for so many eyes. I just wish they would make a better interface. Yeah, I mean, they, they, I mean, you know, I'm not going to shit on Bandcamp, but uh, no, I'm not know, shitting think, on Bandcamp. I think it's fucking yeah, amazing. Yeah, it's true. It's, it, you find a lot of good stuff out there. SoundCloud, if you're digging in the right spots on SoundCloud now, there's a lot of good stuff on SoundCloud yeah. still, which are still kind of like just independent people just mm. putting their stuff out there, you know? What's your thoughts um, on, what's your thoughts on Patreon? I am very, uh, I feel like Patreon is just supported by whatever big names there are still right now. Mm. That's kind of like the model. Uh, no offense to Patreon or whatever, but I don't know if it's necessarily collecting a tremendous, I haven't, I haven't done my due diligence, so mm. I shouldn't speak on it, but I, everybody that I've seen talk about Patreon is just a big artist. So yeah, it's like independent in the sense where, you know, they're promoting independent artists technically, but yeah. they're also kind of using the influencers uh, or the bigger names to kind of be the ones that are putting their stuff on there first to try and get that fan base, which kind of makes sense for their business model. But in the end, it's like you get a bunch of big names on there. It's just another Spotify, right? Yeah, um, I think I think it's, it's I think in that concept, it's it's similar to like OnlyFans, right, and things like that, like where you need the you need the influencers to promote it to for, to get people on it, and then once people are on it, they can then go and find their artists. But it's more so not necessary. I think it's with patreon i think it's a great tool for independent artists to to not necessarily create a following but to keep their following to earn money from their following where they might not be touring so much or they might not be yeah they might not be touring so much so they might not be able to earn as much money as as what a bigger artist can do so uh patreon can give them a way to actually make an income which i think is really special because let's be honest 10 years ago before streaming and there was no real income for anybody that wasn't touring at all because and realistically let's be honest like even at my level where i'm really fortunate i i get pretty good streams i i have a, a good fan base like i the the money I generate through music is not will not pay for my life, and even if I I live a pretty chill life, if you know what I mean, I'm not out there spending a fortune and doing all of that. But like, it's it, I still wouldn't be able to afford it. Yeah, I mean that that's the that's the give and take of it. That but to be fair, I mean from a strictly creative side of things just a strictly creative side of things yeah. i don't think anything was more exciting than the soundcloud era before they got yeah. 
you know, sued by the majors. When, when that, when that era of that span happened, you look at every major pop group, every major big ticket selling artist yeah. that's even half electronic, they upstream through these new genres that were created via SoundCloud. You look at Flume, everybody yeah. wanted to make, the, every 16 year old with a laptop made Flume music. And then you have all these other artists that sound like Flume yeah. in the, that way. And they, they've grown on to do thousands and thousands of tickets all over the place. Mm. You look at Catronata, same yeah. exact thing. You look at Chami, mm. when Chami kind of coined and was like the front runner of a lot of that, you know, kind of uh, future house type sound. Yeah. You look at look at the the, the bass music that mm. came out, you know, during the SoundCloud era. Those have spurned on to create the major pop stars or whatever, the major big names that we see headlining, you know, all of these arenas and, yeah. and Red Rocks and everything today. So, you know, fortunately i mean i was able to watch all of that from the beginning yeah you know kygos and all mm. these things i i was you know i was uh, for a minute there it was like i was managed by the same guy as kygo right so like i got to see you know his rise from the yeah. soundcloud thing go beyond what i could ever yeah. expect and so you know the the i guess my point is what we really i believe need as a music industry is we need a new platform for artists to just be completely free and independent mm. and when that happens i think there's all going to be all kinds of new genres that become popular and let the people like what made soundcloud so popular was the people be able to choose what's popular yeah everybody would repost the songs they like and it yeah. just turned into this giant crazy thing and you know with hype machine the blogs, the aggregates. I mean, we, we saw, we saw a tremendous amount of new music get made. It was a good time. I feel I, I was talking to Dan Stacy the other day who manages Jax Jones, um, and a couple of other like pop, pop guys. Um, and SoundCloud's coming back in the pop world. So what's happening is a lot of these pop acts that are like unsigned, uh, releasing music on on soundcloud and like hyping it on soundcloud and then getting signed by a major which is kind of interesting because the majors used to hate soundcloud but they're, right. a they're actually using it as a platform now on to find w the new hot kids um which is really interesting because i think like i never look on soundcloud for music now personally um i'm not a huge fan of the platform um generally but it was amazing but it's it's interesting to see how uh, our generation's kind of grown out and then the new generations come through and they're just like going ham on a different genre of music but like and that and now it's a, a huge tool for them for the major a lot of the majors now are even releasing on soundcloud before they release anywhere else that's crazy yeah I, who would have thought that's so funny the irony there has got to be I know, sick. Right? <laughs> like, like they, really sick. Yeah. They, they release it on SoundCloud to see if it pops off. And then if it pops off, they then work it. Yeah, that's pretty fascinating. I um I didn't know that first off. But yeah, I, I've actually, you know, it's funny. I've, I've actually found, I've been going through SoundCloud digs and SoundCloud holes and found amazing stuff, like mm. amazing stuff. That, that I never heard before that it was like super excited about. And then I look at the year and it's like, oh, this is nine years old. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, wow, okay, cool. It's kind of all coming together, you know. But I, I do believe that, you know, whenever the next platform, hopefully there's another platform that, that, that gets created. I think that once artists have true freedom to just create mm -hmm. and they're not hampered by weird copyright laws or they figure out a way of, of, you know, the technology to make sure that the copyrights get 
done correctly yeah. or whatever, I think that we'll see, uh, you know, a resurgence when people can let people decide what's popular as opposed mm-hmm. to playlists and algorithms and, you know, uh, that side of things choose what people listen to. Cause that's, that's the biggest thing is the, the way people consume music is now not in the majority of people. Anyway, there's people that dig for music and that's a very, uh, like very small minority yeah. of people that just get fed music. And that's the biggest difference that we're seeing, I think with technology these days and, and just how the music industry is shifting. It is interesting that there's not really been like, uh, there, there isn't a platform that, or like a, an algorithm or something that actually allows people to upload music illegally but it does the splits automatically. So I know like yeah. I know like YouTube does it to a certain extent. So for anybody listening what I'm talking about is if I was to put up an a, if option 4 did a huge hit record and I was like I want to do a Will Clark remix and not ask option 4 about it but I just did it and put it up. It's it's 99% of the time it's going to get taken down. But what would be amazing is if it just stayed up there and in the back end it gets generate all the money gets generated across because there must be millions of dollars lost in that for every artist right and it's amazing to me that majors just block it and it gets taken down rather than well how do we generate money from this yeah I mean, it's it gets a little scarier, dude. And I don't want to freak anybody else out on this podcast by any means. But um, a friend of mine came and showed me this uh, this software that's getting developed uh, by this company. And you uh, literally go on the website and you say how long you want the song to be. You say what key you want it in, what tempo. Uh, give us the major details as you check the boxes. What genre. Yeah right and you click create and the algorithm writes a song for you Mm. and it sounds awesome (laughs) like awesome like it's it's crazy how well it's produced and how full it sounds like in a real studio setting and you can do that every four minutes you can whatever and the company just to flex on everybody was like all right cool we're gonna make a a, an album and we're gonna send it to a very dope label send them 11 records and say, do you want this album? Mm. And the label came back and was like, who is this? This is amazing. Yeah, we love it. Let's, let's do it. And it was a computer that made it up, you know? Um, And so that, you know, (laughs) you know, uh, that's a really wild situation because the computer will never repeat itself. It's programmed to just make unique stuff over and over and over again. Now, granted it's a program. So it's like, eventually it's hard for me to figure out when that stuff doesn't repeat, but at least on the testing that I did with, uh, with this, with this friend of mine, we sat there for an hour making, making songs and they sounded great produced. Awesome. And I was like, Holy shit. I could see a lot of these labels just being like sign. Yeah, let's go. Great. What's Mm -hmm. the next one? You know? And, um, that is, I guess what kind of really just triggered my mind to be like, if we don't, you know, (laughs) uh it's a that's a really scary place to be if ai starts making better records than you do (laughs) or more consumable records than you do then what what ends up happening 
uh, with that algorithm is it gets, you know, pretty wild. So, well, um, I, I think, I think on that sense, like I agree, it's a bit scary, but there's a romanticism that I, that I have. We're always going to be human. That we're yeah, always we're always going to be human. And also the AI is created by a human. Right. Like it's not, at this moment in time, it's not at the level where it can do its own thing. It's st- there's still parameters in that, right? Where although yeah, it's it's un- unreal what they're doing and the speed of it. I think that's the difference. Is no no humans really making a record in four minutes that's getting signed to a major? Like barely, right. barely anyone. Like it takes us four minutes to turn our no lap- one. to turn our laptop yeah. on and scratch our balls. <laughs> it just doesn't even. <laughs> but like it takes me. Four hours to choose a kick drum, bro. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I think I think that there is something that we have as human beings that nothing will ever be able to beat that. And maybe I'm just a, like romanticizing that, but I, I do truly believe that. And like some of the greatest artists that have ever been around, like... I don't know, Bob Marley, right? Let's just say Bob Marley, just for example. like Which he is one of the greatest. Which but... he, he is, but no one's... People have recreated his sound. People have mimicked his sound. No one's been Bob Marley. Right, of course. And I'm not saying computers are going to... I'm not saying that computers are going to, uh, you know, uh, replace us by any means. It's just it's fascinating how dialed in the AI can, can manipulate what is popular on an algorithm. Do you, do you, you know, do you know what I love? That's the fear for me. There's a playlist on Spotify called sad cow, which I don't, okay. know, if, don't know if you've seen, it's the biggest playlist on Spotify. They have playlists on YouTube and everything like that. It's like every song is like two and a half minutes. It's, I think it's called Sad. I think Sad Cow is the name of the record label as well. And there's like 10 artists or something like that. And they, each record is like a certain length so that Spotify have to play, pay the full royalty. Okay. Every time it gets played. And the whole playlist is their own music. They're generating millions and what they, what they've done is beat the algorithm because they've okay. they've they spend a fortune on ads to get people to play to to, to, to subscribe, but by generate by spending like let's just say for instance they spend a million a year on the actual play, playlist to get people on the playlist and listening, but they probably generate four or five million from the streams. Because each, Jeez. each, there's, there's like, it's, I think it's like got 2 million. Let me pull it up. It's, it's mental. Um, and I think that's the beautiful, I think it's called Sad Cow. Uh, is it Sad Cow? No, what is it? Mad Cow. Uh, cow. Sorry, people, that I know this is boring, but we have to find it. Cow playlist. Ah, oh, chilled, chilled cow. I think. Okay. Chilled cow. Chilled cows. No, me. 
<laughs> something cow. They they have like a bunch of them. Um like they have loads. And it's like, yeah, it's called I know this is Lo-Fi Girl. But the, it, all the branding, here you go, check this branding out. It's all like anime kind of vibe. But oh, okay, cool. This playlist has, they've changed the name of it, which makes sense now. It's it's called Lo-Fi Hip Hop Music, Beats to Relax and Study to. They've, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So they've changed, the, they've changed it. It used to be called something else. It used to be called Sad Cow or something like that. This has 6.6 million um, followers on this playlist. And all of the artists, they're like two or three people that just have loads of different aliases. But they fucking beat the algorithm because Spotify has to pay them. And they're generating so much money because it's not even music that people go and follow the artist. It's what I was saying earlier. It's just listening in the background. It's just people are, right. put, people are putting it on in shops. People are putting it on whilst they're studying, just chilling. It just goes round and round and round and round. And it generates millions. And that's the thing I love about humans that we always find a way to beat the system. Right. I mean, I'm not, yeah, I'm not too worried about the AI thing per se, but it's just kind of funny. I guess what I meant by scary was the fact that, you know, they could dial in exactly what's going to be popular on one of these algorithms and duplicate it every yeah. four minutes. And then when, you know, labels sign it, that's even <laughs> it's a, it's such a, you know, uh, that's a bummer. So it's mad. <laughs> I think there's just, I think there's just an ever-growing um, need to to keep promoting independent, cool music, and mm. however that is done, however whether that's people consuming it or actively pursuing it, yeah, I'll always encourage it. Like I said, I think there's there's two types of people in this world. There's people that get fed their music and people that dig their music, mm. and the digging and discovering the music is what's made what's made all of us DJs, I guess, to begin with. Yeah. You know, and that's the that's the war that's the that's the the fine fight you know I'll one be, way or another i'll be honest i haven't been digging for a while i've i've fallen off the the digging bandwagon that's because you write seven thousand tracks a day <laughs> and you're always playing all of these records man you 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 could probably play like a 24-hour original set at this point I feel like. <laughs> there'd be a lot of shit in there trust me <laughs> <laughs> i guess in a way it's digging in a way it's digging for the fans because you know all these records aren't out yet but yeah that's that's because you're a you're a super producer my boy yeah i i i kind of this is, I had this conversation with Ryan the other day and he was like, dude, you're like, you need to play your records. Cause I've like gone through a stage of where I've like stopped playing certain records and not playing new records that are coming out and going back and like going back to like my 20, 2008 playlist and like digging in there and playing those records. Cause no one's heard of them and stuff like that. But it's like, that does come up. What's, what's your thoughts on that with, as a artist, as a record label owner and as a promoter like for artists how important is it do you, for artists to play their own records i think uh with somebody as prolific as yourself and i'm not just like you know uh gassing you up even though i always do gas you up but yeah. my, my my thing is that like with somebody like you when people they want to see what work they want to see your music right mm. so i think the difference is you need to tour as two separate situations so you either need to go live where people come see will clark the project right yeah. 
where they see all your music and they, you know, you do that side and then they need to be able to, you need to be able to give them something else, you know, uh, when they want, where it's like DJ Will Clark yeah, and yeah. you go in and go select your mode and here's all the sounds that inspired you to make your music mm. and play completely different off the wall stuff that maybe a lot of people haven't heard where you are digging back to 2008. Yeah. I think that's, you know, when you, be, when you put out as, you, you know, your discography is so epic and so big, it's kind of like, people want to see you for your records that mm. they hear and they know, you know, and you don't want to short them that. But mm. at the same time, if you have the inkling to be like, Hey, I've been a DJ for 20 years. Let yeah. me go flex on the decks a little bit and, and DJ more the selector status. You just need to divvy it up. It's kind of like when Rufus Dussault does their live performance. And then when they do their DJ sets, the DJ yeah. sets are not going to be, you know, uh, an hour and a half of their own music, you know? So I think, I think, uh, yeah, that's that. That would be, I think, something your fans would be really pumped on is, uh, is, is being able to see both. Mm, it would be fun. I think, uh, I think that there's, yeah, like, I mean, you're when when you've wrote written as many records as you have and have had so many big songs as you have, it's kind of like, uh, you know, I think that's a that's a, a very tangible move because mm. no matter what, people are going to want to see you for your music. Yeah. But there's going to be a lot of people that are going to want to see you like be like, okay, what inspired your music? And yeah. showcase that too. So I think that it's a mixture of the two. Are we going to have to bring our booty percolating again? Well, we're going to have to. I Fuck mean, you got to give people what they want, baby. Fuck Let's sake. go. <laughs> My booty percolate. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, I think that happens to a lot of artists. I mean. You know, a lot, a lot of, a lot of, uh, especially when you go live. You know, that's mm. a, that's a thing. You can differentiate. That's why I think a lot of producers do the live thing is so that they could still do the DJ sets and give people two different experiences. How, how, as a, I, I'm asking for your promoter head here though. When an artist goes live, like in, in, for me, like if I was to go live, and I'm only using me for example because it's easier, but like. If I'm to go live, I don't think I should be playing the same venues as a DJ as I would as a DJ because I feel like it, pe people get very confused. No, of course not. But how do you scale up? Because let's say, for instance, Rufus and Soul have done the touring; they've done the live thing for years, right? And they've got to where they're at now, where they can sell fucking stadiums, right? But as as a touring artist for myself and then if i was to go live it's it's a whole new world right so the, the, the difference is this the difference is when you have a when you're when you're going to go live you are bringing your own show on the road mm -hmm. right you are not playing in venues that have house sound and lights already kind of built in yeah, where yeah. it's a club or it's a see the difference between like a club and a hard ticket venue is a hard ticket venue is an empty box and the band brings their production the yeah, artist yeah. brings their their show whether that's you know their lighting directors on tour with them timing everything perfectly so the music lines up with uh, the 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 visual aspect yeah, yeah. or you know you're you're making you know you're you're creating something that you're going to be rehearsing and playing the same show across the country as opposed to as a dj you know you're going to have the ability to mix it up and do different stuff right yeah so i think that um the 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 concept there is to make sure if you're going to if you're going to bring something you prepare something that's going to be special for the fans that have seen you already dj before right mm. but it's going to be different and exciting for something new right yeah. so it's got to be something that's differentiated and the biggest thing that does that is is the production side of things 
So when you build your show, you're not just building out your set and practicing your music and figuring out what you're going to hit at the right times and what, what live aspects you're going to bring. That's part of it. The majority of it is on the production side of things. So it looks and feels and sounds different, even though they might've heard you play that song in a club before they get to see it live performed live and have those differentiations and then be perfectly timed with the actual production, which Mm. is really uh, a very important aspect for live music. So, you know, you're going to play different rooms that can house production number one. Right. Um, And then, you know, when you want to go do the DJ set, you don't play the club because that's going to be something, and be uh, very accessible and exciting to people. Yeah. So, you know, these bands, when they they make that transition, um, it's a very big difference. You're going to be playing smaller rooms. You're going to be playing, you know, growing that that live show. And then the, the main thing is, is that live show, once it's toured, it doesn't tour again. It's done. Yeah. you got to create a whole new live show for mm-hmm. the next album or yeah. the next cycle. And that's why you see these bands, you know, when they're really big, they'll go on tour for a year and there's a completely different show the year after because, you know, they take six months off, write a bunch of different stuff, and, and then the production's different. And everything yeah. else gets reinvested in. But that's the biggest difference. It's, it's more on the production aspect of it than it is, um, you know, uh, the the music side. Because people are coming to hear the music that you made, mm. no matter what. Now they're just watching you play and perform it with something that's unique to those fans that they can't see in a club. Yeah. Sounds fucking expensive. Yeah, that's why it's really hard to, you know, it's very hard. Um, bands have a tough time. That's why a lot of bands don't, you know, when they're starting out, that bands don't make, bands usually lose money when they're when they're breaking into a market or first tour. Yeah. Um, and that's really tough. Uh, even though they're selling tickets, they still don't necessarily make any money. It's, mm. it's, a, it's like a labor of love. That's why those, those bands and those musicians, when they do make it, you just celebrate the shit out of it because there's so much more struggle on the live side of it, especially there's like multiple people involved you know um if you got like a five person band and you know it's not like that band is getting five times the fee mm, <laughs> you know yeah, yeah. that band's gonna get whatever you know whatever the fee is that they, the, the room can support ticket sales lots yeah. right so 300 cap room with ten dollar tickets there's three thousand dollars in there it's not like the band gets fifteen thousand dollars playing that show when mm. they can only sell three thousand dollars tickets so yeah, the the big the big thing is the production side of things, and that's why it takes a lot of these live acts um, a tremendous amount of investment and a preparation to to go on road and show people what their project feels like and looks like to them. Yeah, I almost feel like as a conversion over, you almost need a a couple of hit records that uh, that will suffice in selling the tickets as a, in a hard ticket venue. Yes and no. There's different. I mean, there's a lot of creative, cool stuff that there's there's ways of getting around that. I believe in the music industry, most important thing I think, as far as when you're when you're going after it, is you leave tickets on the table. You know, mm. you undershoot it. You, you everything's an investment for the next tour and the next tour and the next tour, and then eventually things snowball yeah. to the point where you go, oh shit! Now it's like the investment is getting recouped four times over because of you know the size of the rooms and you know yeah. what you, what you're getting at. But, you know, there's a there's there's artists traditionally that, you know, have spent the majority of the money they make on the production. They yeah. break even. They starve for six months just to get people the craziest show ever. But when people have that show that's built just for them and they can connect the music, it's just for them because the production is like, yeah. you know, uh, timed just for them. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a, a, a different ballgame than, uh, than the soft ticket venues. And it usually pays off in the long run. So it's just a big investment. It's kind of like scary for independent artists to, to get out on that road and, and go for it. But you don't necessarily need a hard ticket 
uh, or and like a big record to do that. Big records help, but you don't have that. There's a lot of big artists out there that have the biggest records ever and aren't necessarily selling a tremendous amount of tickets. Yeah. So I think that it's a culmination of things. You need to have a fan base that is there for you, mm. but you need to pair that with, uh, you know, calculated moves to always leave tickets on the table and build for, you know, when, when you talk about going live, it's not, uh, I want to go do a live tour for three months, no. uh, this year. It's, I'm doing this as a five-year plan yeah, so that yeah. in five years I can start paying my bills. <laughs> But, you know, the, there's there's other ways to do that, too. You can always supplement the income by, by um, doing DJ gigs, too, to, course, to, yeah, to yeah. supplement stuff. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that makes thus sense. the DJ Will Clark tour. Let's yeah. go, baby. <laughs> uh, talking about tours and music, um, I want to talk about Hot Boy Records. When... You launched Hot Boy in yeah, baby. Nice to get the plug if you're watching. Yeah, I did this YouTube. I did this on purpose. I've been planning this for weeks. We know, we know. You planned this beforehand. You actually called <laughs> like me up the other day. Ago. You called me up the other day and was like, Let's get on a podcast. You planned your outfit and everything. I was like, Look, I got one hat that week. Let's go. <laughs> I know exactly where I'm gonna be at. <laughs> um when did you launch Hot Boy? Was it twenty eighteen? Twenty seventeen. Twenty seventeen. Yeah, um, with the with the compilation with the comp, and then when you when you launched when you launched it, it was there's something about Hot Boy with the branding and the kind of concept behind it that I I feel like there's no real other record label out there that does it as well as you do, um, especially on the branding, on the merch side of things, on kind of bringing everything together as as a cohesive. Uh, record label um, and giving fans to something to really kind of participate in the record label, even if they're not necessarily listen to, listening to all of the music. But it, it's almost like a, it's weird to kind of explain and I'm not too sure how you've done it, but it's really fucking amazing. And oh man, that makes it feel good because usually I kind of feel like it's just madness and chaos. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it always is behind the scenes, right? Um, <laughs> yeah, for sure. And that's how it feels with everything. And when it's your own, it probably doesn't ever feel like that because I I never feel like any of my stuff's on point, but you get told it is, right? So you just kind of wing it and just hope that it is. However, like I truly do mean that, like the the way you've you ran the record label this the setup the the um, you had some big records and it was almost like the record was big before it even started or the record label was big before it even started you gave it this kind of look that it was like very well established and it and it it felt very well established during covid you stopped it now it's time for the relaunch. What have you got planned for it? Um, man, that was a very nice interlude. Like you said, a lot of nice things about the label. That makes me feel like maybe, maybe it is established. <laughs> it is, it um, is, and I, I think this is the thing. Yeah. It's like I, I, I think there's a lot of people that you and I know throughout COVID that kind of didn't remain current, which is is super sad for me to see some of them being our friends and they're now that they're, they're trying to like 
trying to hold on to everything by like a a string if you know what i mean it's literally the thread is there and they're just trying to hold on to their career and the fact that you're starting touring again and the fact that you're relaunching the record label feels completely the opposite it feels super authentic it feels like now's the right time and it doesn't feel like you're trying to hold on to the past and it's re- i don't know if i'm fully explaining it correctly or expressing my feelings correctly because it but it just truly feels super authentic and like you're not trying to fit in and you're just doing your own thing which is why i'm kind of asking you of what the fuck you're going to do with the label because i'm really excited <laughs> not not because of like it's been a year or it's been two years since you've done anything on the label it's like what the fuck are you doing i can't wait just tell me about it if you know what I mean, that's how okay. I feel. Yeah. Uh, well, like uh, for me, like I'm still, you know, obviously uh, I just, with all the shit that happened and like with like the BLM movement and all that stuff last, you know, whatever, it was like promoting music is not where I need to be right now. So yeah. that's why the hiatus happened. And now, um, you know, I kind of had this I, through honestly is people like you and just like a lot of a lot of friends and a lot of people just supported the label so it but you know it wasn't me that created this platform it was more like you know everybody was kind of a part of this thing which which really kind of propelled it to do so well on the tour in 2019 when we did the label showcase obviously you came and and played and everybody came and played we had all these parties it was like you know it was becoming a thing the the now the re like with the reboot the focus with the label is to really you know we we have i believe we have a pretty cool unique platform and the reason it's unique is because we go out of our way to connect with fans it's not about the music so much as no offense to everything but it's not the music is important but it's not the most important aspect of the label the most important aspect of the label is the connectivity and the things you can do with people to have fun with being a part of a record label whether that's the demand for the merch and trying mm. to make sure the drop is on time and you get something that no one else gets. And then when you do get it, you're getting other shit that you never thought you were ever going to yeah. get as a surprise. And the, the, you know, uh, the ability of having, you know, um, access to these artists that these people love and these fans love on a level that is more connected than like a major has time to do, mm. you know, that's the best, the, the best way to put it is like, you know, it's like almost kind of like the service you get from a mom and pop restaurant is always going to be better than yeah, the yeah. service you get from a chain. Right. That's the model I, I, I see with the label being, um, you know, the most exciting part about relaunching the label. Mm. So the first release is uh, with these kids out of Detroit, New York, uh, this kid named Botez and this kid named Ken Kelly. Uh, they sent me, you know, I get, I randomly, I, I still, even though the label wasn't open, I was still getting a lot of music and they mm. had just sent me a really kind email that was very polite to the point. I opened it up for the, for the fuck of it. I was with Josh Butler actually. And, uh, we were hanging out at the house and I was like, Oh, just listen. I put it on the laptop and the first record that played was this record. And I was like, Oh my goodness. And Josh looks at me and goes, Oh my goodness. I was like, Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, we got to start the label back up, baby. Yeah, We're getting yeah. some quality still. So yeah, like um, um, the, 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 the label's going to kick off the first release in like two weeks. Um, and that's this record. It's very soulful. Um, obviously I've been a lot more inspired by a lot more classic kind of sounding mm. stuff. Um, and so uh, I, the, I feel mm. like 
the direction of the label will be much more on kind of like the soulful nice. side of things. But I'm really going to focus on on doing my best to create fans outside of the algorithm. And that's mm. the point of the record label. And that's the point of the parties. That's going to be the point of everything that I do from here on out. And yeah. I mean that as a promoter too. Like as a promoter, I'm still going to, I still got to, I'm working on all the big stuff, but I also want to make sure I always fund and always, um, you know, add fuel to the fire of like the independent position. Yeah. So there's, you know, with the, with the merch that's going to be coming out and with the, uh, I'm actually, uh, I'm working with treasure fingers. He's going to be my partner. Um, so we're going to work on the graphics and, and he's going to kind of be the visual director mm. of things moving forward. Um, we are going to, you know, hopefully tell a story that's very mm. easy for people to, to listen to, but more importantly, something that they want to engage with. Yeah. So there's going to be all kinds of fun fan activations. We're going to do um, like fun pop-up parties with, mm. with cool stuff that people can just be a part of for being there. Yeah. Um, and the most important thing about, you know, moving forward when we're releasing this music is we're going to give people good records. We're never going to sign anything that's not going to, that's not, that's not going to be, cool and current but i really want to try and build this bridge between europe and america that's never really been done mm. um it, it there's been things that have kind of happened but as a country as a scene we do a lot of a lot of stuff but it doesn't necessarily cross over uh to the other parts of the world so there's going to be um you know releases that i'm going to be focusing on from other countries mm. to bring them to america and vice versa but everything's going to be on the independent spectrum mm. and the most important thing is that people are you know uh going to have more more ample opportunities to connect to the label itself yeah. and be involved in fun activities whether that's pop-up parties in different cities whether mm. that's if they text fast enough to something they're going to get uh, cool merch out of the blue, nowhere, yeah. you know, like things that make people feel like they're part of a bigger story as opposed to just being um, fans or just consuming uh, yeah. a product from a, from an entity. Love that. No, I think it's really important. And I think it's amazing how you do it because you have, you almost put on every cap, right? So you have the producer and DJ, you have the promoter and then you have the record label hat that you kind of wear in all aspects and it really shows on the label. And I think there truly hasn't been a label, maybe Dirty Bird did it at the beginning and throughout, and they still do, um, defected, do it to a certain extent, um, where it's almost brand focused rather than music focused. And although the music is still a big part of it, it's actually not the be all and end all of the of the record label which is a really interesting way but i think realistically if we ask ourselves do people care about the music as much as they care as much as we care about the music and this may offend some people and but i think the answer is no i think people prefer to be part of a community and if the music gets them in but then the community helps them grow and helps them be part of something which is way bigger than the music. The music is just almost the intro to me. Um, there's very, very, very small amount of, of, of people that, that get to build that. And if I'm honest, it's a pipe dream for me to be able to build something like that where the community is bigger than the music. I think that's super important in a way where 
you can bring new artists in and you can grow new artists without the artist having a hit record. And I think that's, for me as a record label, is the most important thing. And it's what happened to me with Dirty Bird, really. I like Dirty Bird gave me the platform and I had Nala on the podcast. Um, I'm not too sure when all these episodes are coming out, but Nala's on the podcast if it's not out already. And we spoke about that, where having a label that has a following, but it's a true following. I I feel like there's some huge labels out there that don't actually have the following as a community. They have a following like, oh, this is, I don't want to talk shit on any record label, but let's say, for instance, all we have is now. Like, everyone's like, okay, all we have is now is Will Clark's label. Like, I don't really care about, like, do we really care about everything else that's going on with all we have is now? Not so much. Whereas I feel like with Hot Boy, you've cre- you're creating something that feels very community community driven. Um, which is really important to me. So I, I like that a lot, man. I really do. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, no, I, I think it's really important. I think the, you know, the community aspect is obviously um, something where people feel a part of it, and that's everything. But also, it's about, I think in a way, at least for me, what I think the future of this yeah. stuff is, is it's experiential. I mean, we're looking at the same thing with concerts we're looking at the same thing as the music industry in general it's about the experience you know the experience is almost more important than ticket sales or uh how do you put it uh honestly more important than the music in a lot of ways like people are looking for new things to 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 be a part of and feel like they're a part of and if you know, I, I, at least for me, the focus of bringing back the label, and I don't want to give away too many ideas of what I, I'm, I'm working on, but, um, you know, the the point of it all is to focus on the experience. Yeah. Like, obviously, the music's going to be, I mean, I think, I hope, you know, we're going to sign some big records and help some artists do big stuff and, you know, uh, use everything I can to yeah. create these platforms for these artists to gain fans. Um but the focus for me on the label is not the music. It's, it's the, it's the fans. It's giving people an experience. And the cool thing about a label is you're able to do so much with it. There's so many different things. You can do merch stuff. You can do social media stuff. You can engage people um, with, with parties. You can do, you can do all of these tangible things that Mm. people can just brighten their day and have fun with and and be excited about. And, um, you know, I've noticed even just in, in Denver with just even the new stuff that I've been doing promotion wise for shows. Um, it's night and day responded to differently than just because it's different. You know, it's night and day more appreciated because it feels organic and it feels like, um, something where people can latch onto latch onto something and be a part of something bigger. And that's, you know, that's the, that's the direction the label is going to take. And, all of the antics that are going to happen over the next six months. I can't wait for people to, to, to enjoy. And I hope that, you know, it resonates to where we can get back to where we were before the end of the world. Bit. <laughs> I think, I think you, I think it's going to be better than then. Um, I think the, the way music's consumed, way parties are being 
are happening, the way people are uh, talking online, the way people are interacting online has changed a lot during COVID, uh, bef- from pre-COVID. And I think it's, I think it will be even better than what it was before. Hey, man, you heard it from Will Clark, y'all. I hope so, too. <laughs> um, <laughs> if not, if not, it, 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 it's not going to matter because it's all going to be fun and everything is going to be exciting again, which is the most important part for me. Well, you sound excited about it, which you're always an excitable person. Um, and you're always really positive about everything you're working on, which is nice because so many people, I feel like you're the person that doesn't put barriers up and just kind of deals with it. Where for me, it's like, okay, what if this happens? What if that happens? What if this happens? And it's really like refreshing to hear people just be like you or you just be like, yeah, I'm, this is what I'm doing. <laughs> this, is what, this is what we're going for yeah. <laughs> jumping off the cliff hopefully the parachute opens <laughs> how how important is it for you to have somebody on your team that can kind of help you with that and kind of see your vision and and help help you get to where you want to get to because you can't do it yourself yeah it's extremely important you know i'm i'm uh the it's, a, it's it's everything you know in a lot of ways i'm really excited to be working with ashley you know him obviously mm-hmm. he's a legend um, very talented, um, individual, but also, you you know, the (laughs) most, when it, the label has always kind of just been like my passion project. It's always the thing that consumes me. Like, even though I'd work and I do everything else, it was always the thing that was in the back of my mind where I'd stay up for a couple hours extra, you know, working on new ideas and new concepts for everything. So for, for me personally, putting teams together and having people to help is, you can't do it without it. It's the necessary mm. thing. But what makes it special is, or what hopefully makes it special is when, you know, you access that creative aspect of your mind where you start creating new stuff that's never been done before that gives you the passion to keep going. Like yeah. that I I am now, I'm, you know, not to date how much of a dinosaur I am, but I've been doing this for a long time. And now I, I turned 40, right? And so for me to just be in love with music still is the greatest gift that I've ever, I couldn't ask for anything else. Mm -hmm. You know, it's too easy to get jaded or too, especially if you're on the business side or you're on the promotion side or you're doing all this stuff, it's too easy to get jaded. And the fact that the fact that I have like a a love for music still, I'm just thankful for every day because Mm -hmm. then it's like, I don't hate my day job, right? I don't hate 90% of my life. (laughs) You know, it's a, my entire life is music. And so to, to not hate it and still be passionate, and finally have this outlet makes me wake up every day and be like, all right, cool. Let's do it. What do I got to get done? Awesome. Cause when I'm done with that, I'm working on this and yeah, that's yeah. always going to be in the back of my mind. So that that's the, the unlocking that aspect of things and, and having that release is more important to me than almost anything at the moment. And that's mm-hmm. what I guess I'm most excited about. I didn't really have a lot of time last year just to get everything up and running. Cause yeah, the, yeah. the behemoth is so big but uh now that it's like all kind of smooth sailing and cruising it's like oh shit i get to i get to have fun with something again and that's the that's the exciting thing for me it's it's really nice to hear because i think it's very easy to get jaded in this industry it's very easy to your passion to turn into a career into a job and then into a career and then it's like well we have to just make money out of this and then you forget why you're actually doing it until you sit down and be like fuck i'm doing it or you, why do you do it or you yeah. or you do a show and you're like whoa that was ridiculous i was not expecting that 
And exactly. it's very easy. Like we can't, I don't think it's healthy if everything was, was a hundred percent good all the time. I think that, that stops the good times being good. You need the bad times. You need the tough times when we're, when you're hunkering down and trying to work out what the fuck to do. Um, but I think if you can at some point go, yeah, I'm, I'm happy. It's, and I'm doing what I really wanted to do. Like we're super fortunate that we can do that. Yeah. That's everything. I mean, losing sight of that, nothing else, nothing else matters. And that's a scary place to be. In, how, how many it, times have you lost sight of it? Oh man. Um, realistically. Like truly at the point where you're like, fuck this. I'm over it. And that could be for like, a day or that could be for a year, but like, I, you know, I think the only time that happened to me twice, mm. it happened to me two times where I was like, this isn't worth it. And go get a real job and go do something else. There was, yeah. there was, there was a, there was a time where it was, I don't want to talk shit, but talk shit. It's there fine. was a, no man, there's like this big artist. It was I had this manager and okay. there was this big this big artist. Uh it was like a major label thing and they wanted me to do this remix and I did this remix very left field and it came out really pretty. I loved it actually. I really liked the record. Um and uh and Jamie XX liked it, which meant a lot to me. Uh but the label hated it. Um and they were like, All right, cool, well, here's your kill fee. And in the end, the reason I wrote that record and didn't do another version, didn't do another version, didn't do another version was I was trying to buy a couch because I didn't have a couch. <laughs> and um, that was like a moment for me where I did it. And uh, it, it um, you know, paid the bill to yeah. get me a couch because I needed a couch, right? Uh, but it was like this soul-sucking thing where I was like, what am I doing? Like, why mm. this is... You know, it was also in the transition where SoundCloud was where traditionally a lot of my music was going out, my following yeah. and whatever, and the majors were suing SoundCloud yeah. to fuck up the game. So, you know, that was like a really tough point in my life where I kind of had made that sacrifice artistically, creatively, where I was just like, why am I doing this? This is there's a lot easier way to make money to go get a couch, <laughs> get a lot less stress in your life, you yeah. know? Um, and so that was one. And then another time was actually it was in 2019 right before i was going on tour um we had the hot boy tour mm. we had sold out our big show in denver for the label it was like the beginning of the record label tour and that was in, i don't know march or something i think it's march or april uh yeah it was march because it was winning music conference um i had like a like a stress syncope seizure thing after the show i was mm. supposed to fly out at like 6 a.m to get to miami uh for the miami party and I ended up in the hospital for like four hours. And then I was like, you know, I was thinking, oh my goodness, maybe I got too much going on. I'm yeah, going to die. Yeah. And I was like, I had to have this moment of reconciliation where I was like, if I keep going, I'm going to have another heart attack. I'm going to die. Yeah. <laughs> maybe it's not really worth it. And that was when everything was super successful. Mm. Everything was like blowing the fuck up. And so those are the moments that I kind of, that where I was like, maybe this isn't the, the, the right thing, but I'll tell you this much right now. The pandemic probably was the greatest thing that ever happened to me as a creative, as an artist, as a promoter, especially the promoter, as a human being. Yeah. Because the second everything ended, 
I realized how much I needed it. Mm. And when it ever came back, I was going to do everything differently. So my fight nowadays and my, not even my struggle, it's, it's, it's coming a lot more naturally. It's just to do everything different. And I'm doing so many more things different and creative and fun where I'm still able to balance it all now, now, as opposed to maybe the pressure cooker that I was putting myself in before everything ended. So grateful for that. But yeah, it was definitely two times that at least two hard times I had to kind of have a look in the mirror and be like, is it worth it? Mm. Or is it better to find a different way of paying bills? And yeah. so um, those are those are the two that stuck the hardest, I think. Mm. I feel if that. I'm if I'm being honest, but hey, still here, still and here. I'm feeling good about everything now, baby. Yeah, so we good. <laughs> <laughs> no, definitely. Dodge those bullets. <laughs> <laughs> um, we've just done an hour and a half. I want to wrap this oh, up. Geez. I want to wrap this up on one thing. Um, I ask. Yeah. I don't ask this every time. Um, but I've started asking a question at the end just to kind of give people a bit of insight. Um, this isn't music related. This is just generally related. Um, if you could give a piece of advice right now to everybody or to one person, what would it be? You know, I used to say, I used to say like, never give up. That was like my biggest thing because eventually if you're, if you're chasing a dream, something can happen. Mm. Um, and if you, if you work, you know, nine times out of 10, it will eventually happen. It's just a matter of time. And if you can chase the dream long enough and still take care of yourself, Mm. it will eventually work out. Um, I would say the piece of advice that I have nowadays is, man, more than anything, just be appreciative of every day. Doesn't really matter what you're doing. Doesn't matter what dream you're chasing. Doesn't matter whatever. Just be appreciative of, of being alive and, and and whatever you're working towards when it comes it comes it's gonna be great but enjoy the time that you are going through whether you're building something you're chasing a dream or you're living your dream Mm. because with the you know when the world ended and you know if your health gets sideways like mine does sometimes it's really unfortunate if you're not enjoying the time and enjoying the ride and enjoying mm. it all if you're not appreciative and you're always trying the next goal the next thing the next whatever and you're not enjoying the experience you could end up like me you know uh in the hospital sitting there going oh shit i almost died and yeah. i don't know if i was truly enjoying all the time that i spent to get there mm. right not like anybody wants to get to the hospital but i i think that that would be my piece of advice is just a, a when you wake up every day try to appreciate everything that you're going through because <laughs> it doesn't matter how much the road meanders you're going to get to wherever you got to go yeah. and the worst thing you could possibly do is not remember how you got there when you finally get there uh-huh. <laughs> or when you are there not be able to enjoy it because yeah. that that's the that's the tragic side of it and i think that i was definitely on that path before everything ended and i'm grateful to feel like uh that's my focus now love that man I love that. It's a good good way to end this. Dude, uh, thank you so much for coming on. It's been a pleasure to talk. Um, keep safe. Let me know what's going on with the label and if I can support and if any artists that are on the label want to come on the podcast, they're more than welcome. Um, oh, man, you're the best. See you very soon. Love you lots. Big love. Love you, bro. Thank you again for having me. Peace, man. Appreciate you. And that is a wrap. Hope you enjoyed it. Big love to Option 4 for coming on. Keep safe. See you next time. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? 
What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.